Hello, friends. Welcome to our podcast, Allegedly Okay. I'm Amy. And I'm Rose. For today's topic, we're going to be talking about our experiences going to a predominantly white high school. So the reason that we went to a different high school, and by different, I mean white, because... <laughs> it wasn't in our neighborhood. It was in a completely different part of the city. It was like 20 minutes away. The bus took an hour. <laughs> anyway, so that bus program <laughs> is part of this... Voluntary Enrollment Exchange Program in our district, which offers transportation to students in one community to go to school in another community. And the reason that our families chose to do this was because our neighborhood high school, it is a Title I school, and this designation is from the percentage of students that receive free or reduced lunch. And as of 2016, this high school had 90% of students qualify for that free and reduced lunch. And for the population of this school, it is like 73% Hispanic, 10% African American, 10% Indo-Chinese, and 1.8% Asian. And then the last group is white students at 1%. And... With all that, if we go back all the way to the 1990s on the academic performance It was the index. late 90s. <laughs> In the late 90s, the school had an API of 444 out of 1,000. And that was the lowest in our county. And we live in a pretty big county. <laughs> yeah, and so when we compared that to the high school that we went to, the API score in 2012 for the school was 900. So almost double that. The high school was basically number one in the district and also at one point in the county. Mm -hmm. And when you compare the statistics of a group of students that went to this high school, it was basically almost the complete opposite of the high school that was in our neighborhood. So it was majority white. There was about 3% African-Americans and then about 25% were Asian, which was, I guess, pretty high compared to other populations, but we were still a minority mm -hmm. in the high school. It was a predominantly white high school because 40% of the population was white, with another 11% being of mixed race. And which was most usually, likely yeah. white, yeah. Anyway, from the moment that I set foot onto <laughs> campus freshman year, I could feel how different it was compared to my elementary and middle schools. I was really lost. I gravitated more towards people of color Wait, for oh, friends. When you said you were lost, do you remember how... I know we were different years, but both of us were so confused going into our freshman English class because there was a summer reading and everyone knew about the summer <laughs> reading except us. Like literally first day of school, I remember Miss S. She was like, everyone pull out your books, pull out this book. And everyone had it except me. Because yeah. for school, you follow this path of elementary, middle, high school. Which we would have done in our neighborhood, but obviously we didn't go to that. That also reminds me, that very first day, my first class was Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and I had came late because the bus was running late, and I didn't know where to go. I was a freshman. I had never been on campus before. And why would a freshman Spanish teacher, when they see an obviously flustered and confused student, not sure where to go, why would she speak to me in Spanish? <laughs> yeah, that, what the heck? Also, I remember being late too. And it wasn't, was everyone's first day of school from our neighborhood late? Because 
it was the bus it wasn't even yeah, our fault it was the bus anyway i was i was so stressed out because everybody was staring at me and i didn't know what she was telling oh, me to yeah. do it does not feel good when a bunch of white kids just stare at you so the friends I ended up making in high school ended up being mainly people of color. And while I was friendly with some of my classmates that I had to sit next to, they always ended up disappointing me. And that's not to say that there weren't really kind people that I met along the way. But for the most part, they weren't cool. Popular? Yeah. Cool? At like least to in, me? At least in our own standards of what we think is cool. Nah. <laughs> i remember in particular this one kid in a separate spanish class i thought he was a really nice guy and i was able to joke with him every day and one day i forgot how it even came up but we were having a discussion about something and he said something super negative about poor people and immigrants and other very republican or conservative leaning things and i had this realization that oh right this is an upper middle class white boy. I'm in this basically rich white neighborhood. Of course he thinks like that. But yeah, that's just the tip of the iceberg of my experiences. What about you? So I feel like throughout my four years at this place, I try to limit my interaction with these white people as much as possible. Because I mean, I didn't do it on purpose, at least not when I was a young teenager it just happened because whenever i would interact with them or talk to them it was always weird like i couldn't hold a conversation with them and they were they were nice they were nice to me but it was that kind of nice where i felt like they had an, an ulterior motive or, yeah like they had a certain intention not like anything gross but it was definitely suspicious that every time they needed a homework assignment or like a question to fill in, they would ask to see my paper. And of course, I was like, oh yeah, they've been nice to me. I'll let them see. It's no big deal. But one of my most memorable experiences is my senior homecoming when my friend asked me to go with his group of friends. And I only said yes because I heard multiple girls have said no to him throughout the day and he ran up to my car while I was trying to get out of the parking lot and stopped me to ask me to go to homecoming and he was holding up the line and I knew he was because my friends were on the bus and they texted me after they're like was that you <laughs> and I was like yeah so then I I also felt bad because I told my friends I didn't want to go but then I, I was like plot twist I have to go with these people this is why when you ask me anything in social settings, that sucks because I can't say no because I'll feel bad. This is why I think public proposals suck. Anyways, that's another story. <laughs> Anyways, so it was the day of the homecoming. I showed up to their house. We all decided to meet up to take pictures. And I suddenly realized that I was surrounded by a bunch of these white teenagers that I've never interacted with before. Maybe I knew one person, but that was it. This sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. Yeah, like Get Out. This is, anyways, this is when it started going downhill. I see this one guy start lining up his cocaine on the table, and he started snorting it. <laughs> and the other people were passing out pills, like just drinking and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, it's not even that serious. It's a high school homecoming dance. Why do you need to be so drugged up to do these things? If you're going to do that, just stay home or go <laughs> go somewhere else. Like but they were cool and popular, allegedly. If they, Okay, that's the thing. I'm also, I'm also really bad with names. 
<laughs> so if they were so popular, I did not know them. <laughs> well, I feel like I don't know the names of the popular people. You know the like, faces? Year, yeah, because they were all they were everywhere. <laughs> they made themselves be seen everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I remember at my graduation, someone was like, oh, you went here? <laughs> <laughs> That's how little I interacted with these people anyways so we took our pictures it was all fine and we got to the dance we started dancing and then i had a moment where i looked around and i was like who are these people (laughs) (laughs) and i just stopped enjoying myself and it made me feel worse because i saw my group of friends across the dance floor and they looked like they were having an amazing time and not being peer pressured to do these things (laughs) and so, like, everyone's dancing, and this is this is how you know we went to a white high school, when one of the songs that got the crowd hyped was Bad Blood by Taylor Swift. <laughs> Everyone was like, ooh, like, you know when, like, when you're at the club, everyone cheers when it's, like, a song that they mm-hmm. like? This is how they felt about Bad Blood by Taylor Swift. <laughs> but, okay, side note, no shade to Taylor. I like her, but really? <laughs> at a dance? To, like, hype yourself up? <laughs> okay. So, after the dance, my friend got busted for having weed in his room and his parents wouldn't let him take me home. I had to call my friend. I'm pretty sure my friend liked his date and I had to call my friend to drive me home. I remember I was sitting on the curb of this guy's house and I was like, (sighs) I think I was almost crying. I was like, can you please take me away from these white people? Like, please drive me home. I'm so sorry. And yeah, I remember him showing up in his Honda. He's like, let's go. <laughs> and him and his date had to come pick me up and I had to jump into the box seat. And I was like, thank you, thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was very grateful. And if you're listening, you know who you are. I doubt you're listening. <laughs> but um, I appreciate what you did. And I still remember it five, four, five years later. Anyways, after this experience, I was traumatized. And was afraid to go to another dance, at least with strangers. So at prom, I made it clear that no one asked me, please. <laughs> friends only. We talked about earlier about how most of our friends at high school, at least when we did make friends, they were people of color. And for me specifically, most of my friends happened to be Asians. And I feel like being Asian in that type of environment was a unique experience because we weren't cool enough to hang out with the white kids. But, like, don't get me wrong, there were some token Asians because they've known these white kids at a really young age. They went to elementary school, middle school. They did sports together. They did sports together. And I remember my one friend who I don't think, I don't consider him a token Asian in a white group anymore. He told me in our ninth grade PE class that he only dates white girls. He will, he will deny it to this day, but... Trust me, I'm a Taurus. I remember these kind of betrayals. <laughs> Anyways, what's so interesting about these token Asians is that when they go to college and they're away from <laughs> these white kids that they grew up with, they would join these huge Asian groups like ABG, ABB groups. But besides the token Asians, there was definitely a division between racists in high school. And I always thought it was a coincidence because maybe some people just wanted to hang out with people who shared the same cultures or backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But then I realized this division was intentional. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that only the white students enforced at our high school, but also some of the teachers at this high school. And I know this 
because some teachers would confuse me with another Asian girl in the class, mm-hmm. and I knew they would confuse me because they would say Amy isn't here today, but I know they meant another Asian girl. Because you were sitting right there. I was sitting right there, and they she was like, "Oh, sorry, I meant the other girl," but I knew what she meant. I knew she meant oh the other Asian girl, short Asian girl in this class. <laughs> On that note, I feel like educators throughout grade school gave me preferential treatment because I was that, quote, well-behaved, smart, quiet, unquote, student. (laughs) That's not to say I don't think I wasn't those things, Mm -hmm. because I did my best to be a good student according to, you know, the norms. But other students who were more outspoken or disrupted class because one of their needs wasn't being met, or if they needed more help and guidance, they definitely suffered a lot more prejudice from the same teachers that showed me kindness and generosity. And I think in elementary school, in the neighborhood, the inner city, four out of five of my teachers were white. And I'd like to think that they were as compassionate with other students as they were with me, but I know that everybody has their biases. For example, After I graduated high school and before I went to college, I visited this elementary school with one of my friends, and we were talking to one of her teachers, and she was mentioning, oh, congratulations on graduating from high school and going to college. It's so great. You're doing wonderful things. And I don't know, I don't know where she just mentioned that she hadn't heard from another one of her students, but she was pretty sure he joined a gang and went down the wrong path. And I remember thinking she could have uplifted us about our accomplishments without being so negative about one of our peers. And so basically, we were the model minority. (laughs) So this term, I didn't even know was a thing until I took my first social justice class in undergrad. It was like a seminar. And I remember coming to this chapter, I was like, wow, we are the model minority. So it basically can be summarized as the belief that Asian Americans, through their hard work, intelligence, and emphasis on education and achievement, have been successful in American society. Now, for those who don't know much about this concept, you might think it's not that bad to be seen as the model population or model minority. You might just read it as, it just means we're successful as a minority group, but you're wrong. (laughs) Period. This concept is not only detrimental to us as a group, but also to other racial minorities living in America. Because of this belief that we're this special group of immigrants or special groups of people of color, we are often used as examples for other people of color who are unable to succeed socially or academically in life. So what I mean by that is when talking about other ethnic groups, some people might say, oh, it's because they haven't worked hard enough or because they don't behave well or whatever. And being Asian Americans, we've always heard like, oh yeah, we're the nerds or we're always doing well. Like we're always expected to be all these things. And when other minority groups are unable to succeed, it's always because they're not working hard enough. They don't think that it's other underlying issues. Mm-hmm. So to further elaborate on this concept, the model minority hurts other groups, but also hurts other subgroups of Asian Americans as well. And by subgroups, I mean South Asians, Southeast Asians, Hmong, 
Vietnamese because there is a huge population of that group that lives below the poverty line who are unable to go through higher education, etc. Yeah. So despite all of that being true, we have noticed, especially with older generations of our Asian parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, they are perpetuating this concept of the model minority. Mm -hmm. And what was that one conversation that you had? Yeah, I remember I was sitting at a dinner table with this uncle and his wife They were just talking about the Black Lives Matter movement because it was also at its peak during that time. And I remember him saying something like, oh, I don't know why these people are fighting so hard. They're being so selfish. Basically, along the lines of all lives matter. And I just thought that was kind of hypocritical of them to say, especially as Vietnamese immigrants, they wouldn't have been able to come here without the work of Black civil rights activists because... A large majority of Americans, white Americans, at the time after the Vietnam War, did not want immigrants or refugees here. Without the creation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965, simply we would just not be here. Either it was that group of refugees at the time or just all immigrants afterwards. It just wasn't possible without the work of Black activists. So... Let's just be more mindful when we talk about these issues and remember how we even got here in the first place. So the model minority myth is really a tool used to uphold white supremacy. And in recent times, we've really seen that it further divides all of the people that it oppresses. And a lot of people of color see Asian folks as the enemy, whether that's because of the COVID narrative or the model minority myth, or because of the stance that some Asian people, more specifically a lot of Vietnamese people, they are adjacent to white folks by assimilating with their standards of beauty, Mm -hmm. siding with them politically, as we talked about in the last episode, and so on. So it's really heartbreaking to see all of these attacks on Asians across the globe. But we can't keep on dividing ourselves or separating ourselves from movements like Black Lives Matter because that's counterproductive. Our work is to stand together as a community and demand positive change for all people. And we can't do that if we keep tearing our potential allies down. And that's why, thinking back to not even that long ago, I'm really disappointed that I was like idolizing white men and we wanted to be with white men. <laughs> the internalized racism and beauty standards told me that this basic white boy <laughs> and a mixed baby would be so cute. A Hapa. Like, we, I feel like a lot of us always feel like, oh yeah, Hapa babies are so cute. Like, you know? Anyways, yeah, I totally understand what you, what you mean because ever since I was a child that could comprehend beauty standards mm-hmm. or just beauty in general, I find myself wanting or wishing for features that were white Mm -hmm. like let's say oh i wish i had paler skin i wish i had lighter hair i wish i had lighter eyes Mm -hmm. and this was also not very helpful when i would have friends who were half white or full white that would be constantly praised for their features while i was kind of seen as a background character in their little narrative (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm glad that we've moved past feeling I mean, we still have our feeling ugly moments, but I feel like confidence is... It just depends on the day. Yeah. It depends on the event. But we can talk more about beauty and self-esteem in another episode. Yeah. 
Anyway, backtracking to this white boy. He was not it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. We should have known. He had an Asian fetish. He oh, Back then, I think maybe there was, like, one girl that wasn't Asian, like, later on. No, I think it was just because Asian girls didn't like him at that time. So, it's like, mm. But anyway, he only pursued Asian girls. And he had some really questionable perspectives. But as a little teenager me, I... <laughs> I was young, dumb, and gullible. And this guy is another person that was involved in a pyramid, pyramid scheme. scheme. <laughs> and it's funny because I think so, didn't someone tell him, like, dude, I think you're in a pyramid scheme. Yeah. He's like, no, it's not. His teacher told him too because he's in contact with him. But he was super insistent. Like, I'm not in a pyramid scheme. I'm in a business. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, back then, my dad didn't let me date him because this was high school. And he knew. He, he knew better. He knew better. He saved me a lot of heartache, even though there was still heartache because you know, that was just a mess. At the time, you were annoyed. I was hurt. Oh, like... He, he asked permission from my father because he didn't want to do me wrong. And he, He's like, I'll wait for you. Yeah. It's okay. I'll wait for you. I was like, no, it's okay. You don't have to. But he's like, but I really like you. I'll do it. I'll wait. And like two weeks later, he's like, Rose, I'm sorry. I can't do this. It I just like, feels so wrong. No, he was like, I like you way too much to do that to you. Did I, he say that? Yeah. Oh, I forgot he, he said no, that. No, he says something like, I like you way too much not to be with you. Um, yeah. Anyways. This so, is when we knew all white men lie. <laughs> so I was heartbroken. And then not even a week later, somebody told me he had a girlfriend and he showed up with her at church. And I was like, oh, I yeah. felt my heart drop. <laughs> Oh, little was that that little 14 15 year old rose was heartbroken oh god and despite that i still went on to like <laughs> this half white boy in college i thought he was cute i like that he was smart and kind of dorky we did he wear out- glasses no oh i was gonna say it's a weakness yeah. <laughs> we went out to eat it wasn't a date i mean two people sharing a meal so. Anyway, we went to the dining common. Oh, right. <laughs> and he swipes me in because he had a meal plan. This is at the apartments. And I forgot how the conversation ended up where it did, but he was talking about how women are usually at fault for divorces. Mm-hmm. And when I told him that I didn't want to have kids till after I was 30, he said, that was too late. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? <laughs> And we were still friends on Facebook for a while, but he posted a lot of conservative right-wing nonsense. Again, I shouldn't have been surprised. I learned my lesson, though, and I unfriended him, so (laughs) good on me. (laughs) That was our little journey through high school, past college, to where we are now and how we feel about all of those experiences. Back to our high school, like, obviously, we're grateful for the educational opportunities, even though it sounded like we made no friends. (laughs) We made friends. We made friends, and we're still friends with them to this day. So despite all of that, I don't want to say like, oh, high school is sad, but you know. It was rough. It was really rough, especially feeling socially isolated. Yeah. But we were able to apply to internships. We did get a lot of support from Mm -hmm. teachers. And I feel like I was better prepared for college in terms of my studying habits, expectations, and like self-regulating myself. Mm -hmm. We were able to have all these opportunities because of where we went to high school but imagine if we were able to do that at our own high school Mm -hmm. could have walked to school we wouldn't have to get up at five in the morning Mm -hmm. this is like when we got our license (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sleeping in yeah, until yeah, yeah. seven. <laughs> yeah, we had to be at the bus at six thirteen, mm-hmm. and that our sleeping in what? No, it wasn't even seven because we had to be at school at seven eighteen. The bell rang at seven thirteen. Oh right, right. <laughs> so then sleeping in for us was like ooh six thirty. <laughs> But sometimes I would wake up at like 6.40 or 6.45. Oh, just, <laughs> just send it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so in order for other students to have opportunities like us in their home neighborhoods, we should really be actively advocating for a redistribution of resources. Because I think presently a lot of school funding is from property taxes. And you don't get any of the money from these property taxes if everyone in an inner city neighborhood lives in a rented home Mm -hmm. like us yeah (laughs) yeah so thank you for listening to all of our stories today it might have seemed like a jumbled mess but But that's just our experiences of going into high school we were surrounded by white people we had to be in these type of relationships with white people (laughs) and it had to continue throughout college (laughs) (laughs) it didn't um yeah I don't know about you, but most of my you know what classes, my experiences are. Oh, yeah. oh, that's another day. Yeah, it was lonely. I'm not lonely anymore. <laughs> okay, we get it. No, I was, th- I was gonna say like at work. There's oh. so many people of color. Women oh of yeah. Color. Oh my god. I love where I work. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like if I, ho- I go to school again, I hope they're with a bunch of people of color. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you for listening to our chaotic podcast today. We hope you learned a lot. We hope you laughed. Not cry, but we hope you felt the pain. And follow us on our social medias at Allegedly Okay. That's Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We don't have anything on there, but maybe if people followed us, we would. Has Joe followed us yet? I don't think so. I don't think I got a notification. (laughs) Joe, what are you doing? (laughs) I I told him. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye.